Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. Welcome to this episode of the Living Open podcast. Today, I have astrologer Britton LaRue on to talk about living the hierophant and living the signs. Um, This episode is so much about intuition and self-trust and authority and power. And I think it's so good. (laughs) And we're in our hierophant year, so it just felt really appropriate and really timely to be talking about the Hierophant and all of these Hierophant themes with Britain. Um, She's an intuitive astrologer, writer, and teacher, and her goal is to, you know, conjure the resonant language and ask the evocative questions that guide others to their own answers on their path of healing, which what could be more Hierophant than that? (laughs) So we talk about Britain's journey with astrology how astrology helped her connect with herself and do deprogramming work, giving yourself permission, fully embodying each sign, her relationship with the Hierophant, connecting to the Hierophant and Hierophant themes, living the Hierophant, authority and self-trust, accessing more of your intuition and wisdom, living the astrological signs, living moon by moon, working with the moon, and lots more. When I was editing this episode this afternoon, it made me think about the connection between these topics and a conversation that I had with one of my best friends this morning at her apartment. And I was telling her how I think I got things really twisted in my mind in the past couple of years around healing and that at some point without really realizing it, I started to equate discomfort with being right with being the right direction and I forgot or I didn't understand that it's not so binary and so black and white like discomfort can be amazing growth and comfort can be amazing growth too and I think the idea of always moving towards what feels uncomfortable is actually incredibly toxic (laughs) I think I really internalized some of the dialogue around healing and used it to talk myself into wanting things I didn't want, trying to want things I didn't want, doing things that actually were really not right for me under the guise of healing. Like I'm healing my commitment issues by committing to this relationship kind of thing when actually I don't have commitment issues. I'm just gay and I've never been in the right relationships. Um, So I've been thinking about how sometimes I need to trace it back a bit to get more clear about what's really going on like the idea that I need to commit to something that I feel scared of the root belief of that for me when I really check in is who I am is bad and wrong there's something wrong with me that needs fixing and if you listen to this podcast at all for five seconds you know that belief is not what I actually believe not for me not for you not for anyone And it's definitely not one that I want to feed. It's one that lives inside me, but it's not one that I want to feed. And I don't need to be fixed. (laughs) Real growth and real healing feels so different. And, excuse me, and has such different roots to me. And that feels really true. So, 
listening to this conversation that's so much about trusting ourselves and connecting with our own power and healing after having that conversation this morning and after you know revisiting the conversation that we had a month or two ago maybe just felt really resonant and I kind of wanted to share you know where I'm at with self-trust and all of those things so if you take nothing else away from this episode please know who you are is not bad and wrong there is nothing wrong with who you are it is wonderful period full stop (laughs) so let's get into this episode um i have links in the description for you you can check out if you want for a free meditation or for ex-religious folks free breathwork meditation lots of stuff um and yeah here's my conversation with Britton. you know i like to start the show by hearing about your journey so i'd love to hear about your personal journey with astrology hmm yes um i would say that astrology came into my life at a time when um, I was really on my knees in change. Um, I wasn't seeking astrology. I I was sort of in this phase of like hermit in the moon (laughs) in that um, I was spending a lot of time alone in a deep desire to do repair work from, um, I guess you could say trauma, um, a lot, just many, many, many years of disassociation from my body and from my intuition. And so I was very open to whatever started flowing my way to help. And my brother actually gave me my chart and he gave me a uh, one week or one month subscription to Chani Nicholas. I think it was like a new moon in Libra. Mm. Um, and when I saw my chart, I had this visceral feeling of wanting to understand what the symbols meant and what the lines meant. And just, I have to know how to read this is how I felt. And so, and then the way Chani, uh, led me through discuss let leads people through the discussions of the planets and um the way she speaks with such a critical lens um and my background is in academia so i was really drawn to her way of describing uh the language of astrology i just felt this hunger to go deeper there to help myself like i was really kind of at this edge of like, can I turn this around? (laughs) Can I turn my life around? Can I get better? Um, I'm looking for support here. And I felt that there was something in astrology that was going to help me heal, that was going to help me have hope, that was going to kindle something in me that had been sleeping or dormant that it was going to help me find a way, but it was very frightening because I, besides my brother, I didn't know anyone who was into astrology. I'm, I'm in Texas. I'm in Dallas. I didn't know. um, I didn't know if I could talk about this interest with other people, but I really didn't care at that point because I just had this feeling like there was going to be a lot there for me to um, re- claim myself, I guess you could say. Mm. And so um, 
I have this long history of being a student, so I very quickly set about figuring out whose books to purchase and which podcasts to listen to. And I was weaving it into a lunar practice that I had already started. The moon started talking to me before astrology, I like to say. And um, and I just started weaving everything in together for my own support and anchoring um, really like calling everything in as like navigational tools to um, help me hear myself again and trust that it was going to be okay to unsubscribe from so many of the um, just framing devices I had for how the world worked and what I was allowed to be or not be. So um, I found the teachers then who help me. And then it just kind of got going as I got stronger um, in my understanding of astrology, I then began to want to help other people with it. So (laughs) thank you for sharing. I'm curious if we could dig a little bit more into how astrology has helped you heal, helped with that kind of unsubscribing process like is there anything that stands out to you as like things you learned about yourself in astrology or ways that it helped you connect with yourself yes I I really loved um I resonated very early on in Demetra George and Douglas Block's uh workbook astrology for yourself they describe each sign in terms of a range of skillful to unskillful um, ways of embodying the signs. Um, And they speak to um, our planets as these different capacities that we have. Um, And so I began to just play sort of games with myself where I would encourage myself to embody, say, um, Pisces. My, I, I have sun, um, Mercury and Venus all in Pisces. Um, very Piscean person, VPP, I like to say. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I definitely resonated with a lot of the quote-unquote unskillful then aspects of Pisces. And so I began to just like to help myself just try to walk through life um, expressing Pisces more skillfully. And then I'd ask myself like about my resistances in doing so. And for some, say something like Pisces, Pisces then um, according to that workbook and it stayed with me ever since um, speaks to our desire to live with a dream or an ideal, like really mm-hmm. like live through a dream And my history had been daydreaming and escapism and disassociation and like fantasizing um, about things that like were completely out of my control or like kind of weren't ever really going to happen. And I think that as I began to then help myself figure out how am I going to live the dream? I really met with because the world has shown me that my kinds of dreams don't really happen here. You know, and then it began, well, why do I, why do you think that you can't da, 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 because I'm not allowed to be. And then like mm-hmm. through this like self-inquiry, really understanding like, wow, I've just not allowed myself to be a mystical person. I've not allowed myself to 
explore these um, th- these like fields of knowing that I might that I'm learning how to do in these intuitive healing classes I was taking like. I connect with my spirit guides. I connect with past lives, but I don't feel like I can talk about that. The world won't let me talk about that. Why won't the, you know, and then, like, I just began to start digging into um, why I, the expression of this um, unskillful Pisces was so present. It felt like, and it was really about um feeling like I wasn't allowed to express what you might think of as a more skillful Pisces. And so like digging in kind of sign by sign with every sign of the Zodiac, I began to touch base with, and particularly through lunar cycle, right? Like at a new moon and then holding it the whole cycle with that one sign, um, helping myself feel more skillful at embodying each sign and feeling more whole in the process. And with each sign, I would meet areas where I felt like um, I wasn't allowed or like it wasn't going to be okay for me to um, fully embody the skillful aspects of that sign. And so in the process, uh, it was just like bumping up against those resistances again and again, I started to just notice that I felt more buoyant. I felt more hopeful. I felt more empowered. And I started to feel really much more gutsy about um, claiming things that I wanted. And it's just been a slow, a spiralic, nonlinear process of supporting myself out of old patterns and into like what I think of as like a really exciting, enchanted path that I'm on right now. So, um, mm. yes, I hope to yeah. that answer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm wondering, are there placements for you or signs that you're still working on embodying? (laughs) (laughs) I do a lot of work with um, Taurus type, um, Taurus type themes, uh, embodiment. Um, I'm still like working on ways to feel fully safe in my body. I, I and I put that into Taurus. Um, yeah, working with money and trusting my capacity to um, magnetize abundance, um, to take care, be able to take care of myself, to have the resources to take care of myself. I have Chiron and Taurus, and um. uh, <laughs> in my second house of building resources. So there's there's a lot of like. Uh, unraveling of a kind of damsel in distress archetype that I've embodied a lot of my life and um, believing that um, not only can I call in what the word wealth can mean in all of its many meanings, but also that I already have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And so since all of this has been unfolding post-divorce, that's been a really big theme for me is like trusting that I can do this without someone taking care of me, so to speak. Um, Because I I got married pretty soon right out of college. So I never experienced what it meant to just fully support myself financially. Um, And so working with Taurus is something that I can continue to work on and, um, it's uh, such a giving sign that way, because mm-hmm. the more you drop into that presence, 
the more you can receive pleasure. <laughs> yeah. And we're recording this in tourist season. So I get it. I get it all. And plus, um, I'm a five, uh, like life path. So the Hierophant mm-hmm. is a card that um, speaks to me on many levels of, in the as a student teacher my whole life Mm -hmm. Um, and working with like throat chakra territory has been really important for my healing. And so I also associate that with Taurus. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the Hierophant more than we were talking about this before recording and emails. And I know you've talked about in your work too, about being guided by the Hierophant. And we're in our Hierophant year of 2021. I had my personal Hierophant year last year. So I'm like, uh-huh, we're just <laughs> continuing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm curious about your relationship to the Hierophant and yeah, how you're connecting with that showing up this year too. Yes. Uh, historically, um, I've always been in academia. So um, I've always had like, um, professors, you know, who were my mentors. And I was, I've had many years of my life being a TA, um, many years being an adjunct instructor at universities. And, um, I love learning. Um, but there's a lot, there was a lot, there's a lot that can be very disillusioning about, Um, the process of trying to become an expert and the process of trying to receive a degree and go through tests and um, be critiqued um, and get your paper into conferences and (laughs) like all of those things that can be very disheartening, very grueling, uh, very rough. And I think that working through like, healing my desire to be an expert and healing from this idea of like being anointed, like you officially now can speak. (laughs) That's so real. (laughs) We've decided you're allowed to have a voice now in this sphere. Um, Just breaking with the, all of those trends has been extremely liberating and working rather from a place of um, just always being in process of learning, of um, allowing myself to not know all the answers and that being not a problem, allowing myself to make mistakes, um, to, to admit what I don't know, and that, that, that like doesn't invalidate the other things that I've said. <laughs> Um, those types of things have been really helpful, but also I think about with the Hierophant, like the role of who's listening. Like if you think about the Smith Rider, right? Like the two people who we see that are listening. And so I, with the Hierophant, I'm also very much thinking about what I want from my teachers and what I want to be as a teacher. Um, like the responsibility that I have to the people who um, like say enroll and pay me for classes, you know, now as an astrologer um, and as a kind of life guide and like, what are the dynamics there? And like how uh, it is my highest desire for my students to feel 
completely free and liberated from any contracts that would say that they have to subscribe to things that I say, right? You know, mm-hmm. that that I want them to feel fully empowered to take what they like, leave the rest, disagree, point out, you know, another possibility, um, question, call me out if I'm being ignorant about something or if I just clearly don't have information, you know, and how to um, really like live those contracts energetically and just the vibe I'm bringing, but like also directly by very clearly encouraging this kind of environment from um, the classes that I have and, and really studying myself, like, am I putting a contract on, on a student where I want them to like stay with me or I want them to not go seek another astrologer as another mentor or, you know, like really studying myself, like just to be sure, like, how clean I am about the contracts that I want to have with readers or students and clients. And likewise, I'm a lifelong student, so I still sign up for classes. I sign up for communities and not just accepting what someone um, offers as a contract that they want from their communities, you know, and really analyzing how it feels to be inside of someone's community and, and asking myself, like, does this align with my values? Is this a safe place for critique? Is this a safe place for calling things out? Is this, um, is the leadership in this space uh, inclusive? Does it invite um, alternative frameworks? Are we allowed to have conflict here and talk through it? Like, what are we wanting from, the leaders who set spaces, you know, and what do I want according to my values? Cause I do have a history of just sort of like taking what I receive. So this is new for me. I mean, this is, um, this is empowering work and it's Taurus work in many ways to me because I feel like Taurus is our values and like we root into those. So um, like clarifying the clarifying process of, of rooting into values can help us um, make sense of these contracts that we create in the different classes and communities that we join, you know? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think there's, <laughs> there's so much to what you're saying around the Hierophant. And I think what it's bringing up for me is my own relationship with the Hierophant archetype and how it feels like a teacher for rooting, which is such a Taurus word too, but like rooting into ourselves. Like I feel like the Hierophant teaches me and has really taught me over this past, like through all of 2020 and now too, of how to root more deeply into myself and from that place to be really conscious around what I'm taking in, what I'm where spaces I'm spending time with are, um, my relationships to my own knowledge and wisdom and how I relate to the knowledge and wisdom of other people. Because I believe so much that we all have so much wisdom and so much magic to share. And that's like every single person does. And I think in the Hierophant, it's like, yes, that's true. And also, that doesn't mean that somebody else's truth and wisdom and magic is more important than yours. Like yours is actually the most important source for you. Um, 
and how we don't really learn to value that. And well, I didn't learn to value that. I think most of us don't learn to value that. It's kind of like what you said about being in academia and like, yeah, we learn these hierarchical relationships and structures around authority and knowledge and who knows things and who doesn't. And Hierophant work is so unpacking that. Yeah, I know. And and I think that the 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 Piscean part of me really like I for just forgive people all the time. You know, I have a habit of like forgiving a lot because I can see, I can see sort of the suffering or the trauma or the um the complexity of somebody's path. And, um, I can like feel that with them and like, want to just see their humanity and be okay with like, whatever, <laughs> because like, I, I get it. But so this, so that that's a really empowering thing for me to be like, just because I can, I can appreciate that a leader or, um, a teacher is a complex human being who might be suffering, that doesn't mean that I have to stay or I have to put up with something that's a conflict for my values. And that is like a, it's a wild reclaiming for me too. Um, and I think for many people to say what, um, that their own authority still matters in the mm-hmm. face of like someone who's, that, that they may really respect in many other ways as an authority. Um, so. so powerful. Like my authority still matters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It feels like what you're talking about is such a process of, yeah, connecting with your own power in deeper and deeper ways. Mm-hmm. And the right to have it. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think I'd like to talk a little bit more about this idea of hearing your own voice. Um, I know work around intuition and hearing your inner voice is part of the work that you do. And that just feels really related. And I'm wondering if there's anything that you want to share around that, around accessing more of yourself and your own wisdom. Yes. Yes. I, um, I feel like for me, one of the tools that's been the most helpful is, um, well, first of all, I learned from my teacher, Deborah Cremens, who's taught me about intuition. Um, she's, a, she's an intuitive who teaches intuitive healing courses and uh, worked with her for several years. And one of the most important questions I got from her is this question, when you hear a voice, um, like, usually a fear-based one or one that involves a should <laughs> is to ask, um, is this mine or someone else's? And um, pretty quickly, I found that that question can clarify uh, whether it's really coming from my voice or not. I also think cultivating uh, space, spaciousness for neutrality, trying to be uh, neutral is has been really helpful to me. Thus, what I do is um, when I'm working with my voice is identifying if there's any kind of like charge around 
the issue at hand, the question that I'm asking, the person that I'm thinking about, um, whatever might be bothering me or frustrating me, really sitting back into myself at a deeper place and identifying what the charge is around it um, is, a, is very helpful then for creating distance and coming then to like, so it creates a separation then from like where your fear, where my fear is or like what I'm looping around and the actual charge, like trying to separate them so that then I can see I can see my concern or my thought or my frustration from a more neutral place and then know better what to do with it, so to speak, or how to um, engage with it in a way that is less charged. Does that make sense? Because Mm -hmm. I found that I don't often make very great choices when I'm charged Mm. about something. Yeah, I feel like cultivating that neutrality is really powerful because I feel this in myself. Like if I'm hearing something from my inner voice and it's something that I really want to hear, then it's like, awesome. It's so easy to follow that and be like, yeah, this is definitely my inner voice. (laughs) And then when it's something that feels hard and scary and it's going to ask me to make a big change or to go through a loss, that is so much scarier. And the fear can really keep me, all the feelings around it can really keep me from actually listening and doing that thing. Um, So I really appreciate that idea around cultivating that neutrality and having some more spaciousness. Yeah. And I was just thinking as you were talking, just for maybe a more clear example, um, recently I was pulling eight of cups a lot. Mm -hmm. And um, it was like, is this about my relationship? Is this about the, 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 (laughs) you know, like my brain's like spinning, like, oh my God, eight of cups, something's leaving, you know, I'm going to leave something, you know? And um, I wanted to know immediately what it was. And then it was like, I I could feel there was a charge around my desire to know, Mm -hmm. just the desire to know what it's about. Is it (laughs) self-charged? Because like, in a way, even sometimes curiosity can be a charge because, we're like invested in an answer sometimes. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Even though in general, I'm like the biggest fan of curiosity ever. Mm-hmm. But um, I just had to let it sit over there and I kept pulling it and I kept pulling it. And uh, there was lots of journaling around, you know, I'm, I'm not clear why I'm getting eight of cups. I'm looking for a reason I have eight of cups. And then, you know, recently... Um, I, some things came up in a spiritual community that I'm part of and that I had been part of. And I, um, I had to sit with whether to stay in it or leave. And I waited until I came to a full body. No. And I, and then I did leave. And then it was only a few days after that, that I was like, Oh, eight of cups. It's like, there it was. But when I was searching for what it meant, the answer wasn't there. But when I decided to like set it over on the side table and not pay too much attention or hover on top of it, um, I came to the eight of cups and in my own way, and then realized, well, that was what was brewing is um, because I feel like it's a card that 
speaks to like um, a full body sense of it's time to go, you know, mm. and you can't go searching for that. Right. Like it has to come in from your body as opposed to even a card you pulled. I feel like. Yeah. And there's, <laughs> yeah, there's something so much around that of like, you also don't have to figure everything out, right? Like you can let it unfold. Like you're pulling the eight of cups and you're not sure what it's about and that's okay. You won't know until you know. And then when you know, you can be like, oh, that's why the eight of cups was coming up so much. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's interesting. It makes me think about, I was just re-listening last night to this psychic reading I got with someone who is, I trust so much, very greasy. If anyone's listening, I had on the podcast a few years ago, um, a reading that she gave me last summer and I was re-listening to it and everything she was saying, it resonated at the time and listening to it from now, from April, 2021, I was like, holy shit everything she talked about it's like now I really have the perspective and it all makes complete sense in a way like I didn't have the full picture yet so I was just like sitting with that information and then yeah when you know you know and then it does make sense or not that we get that with everything but I think that often happens with cards and divination work and psychic work of later it makes more sense absolutely that's definitely one of the things I'm most from being on the path that I'm on now is um, learning to just trust that um, mm. don't need to know what it all means yet and that I can um, just trust that more information will be forthcoming when more information is forthcoming. <laughs> like I know what I need to know now, which is just like carrying on with what um, I'm passionate about so yeah I feel like that desire to know in myself is such a desire to control and to go like clench my fist so I can you know not have to be in the discomfort of that space of not knowing or of uncertainty and as soon as I can like get the answers then I don't have to be there anymore but like that's not real that's not life like not knowing is part of that sometimes yes whenever I really want to know um I'll sit back and ask and it's usually something like, I just want to know that I'm going to be okay. <laughs> and, um, and then I just have to reconnect with the present moment that I am okay right now and everything's okay. Um, you know, I'm here and I have food in my fridge and um, that's, that's just coming back to the present moment um, really helps me. Mm, that helps me so much too. <laughs> Maybe we can talk a little bit more about astrology. I wanted to ask you about your two frameworks that you work with in your workbooks, and we can talk about those too, but this idea of living the signs and living moon to moon, and maybe you can unpack for us. What does that mean? How is that astrology? What does that mean to you? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I started creating a series of workbooks per sign and I called the series living the signs, uh, astrology for radiant embodiment. And, um, 
And so that I was working on all of that in 2020. I wrote all 12 books in a frenzy from February to November, December. And um, the idea there, I say in the beginning that I, I like to think of astrology as a technology for attunement, as like a tool um, for attunement and to help us to attune to ourselves, our inner voice, to attune to um, the, the wonderful ways that we can work with archetypes to help us embody parts of ourselves that we, we want to grow and that we want to grow more skillful inside. And, um, and so each workbook is really a set of, it is a workbook. It's kind of a textbook workbook um, introducing you to the signs, um, attuning to the signs, attuning to the, the planetary ar archetypes that are related to those signs, the tarot cards related to those signs. And then it offer, I offer lunar rituals per sign for new, full, and then um, full again. So like, uh, it's like if it's the cancer workbook, new moon cancer, then it would have a full moon in Capricorn as well as a full moon in, in cancer ritual. Mm -hmm really because this is how I was working on embodying the signs as I was trying to feel better. Um, and I was trying to help myself. And, uh, so that's one thing is like about living the signs. And I hear from readers, I hear from my students that it feels different than, um, maybe they've approached astrology before this focus on the lived experience. Um, mm -hmm. Because um, I'm interested in healing my own ways of keeping everything intellectual. And um, I'm interested in, yes, being super pumped about how fun intellectually this information is, but also like, how do we make this relevant in our real lives? And so it's full of lots of um, opportunities for self-inquiry, as well as lots of exercises to bond with um, that particular sign inside of yourself. And it's not designed for like your sun sign, even though that would be great. Um, it's the idea is that everyone has all of them so that you can throughout the year be touching base with each sign and growing that part of yourself um, for more wholeness. Um, meanwhile, um, I was realizing that people were like, I want to learn more about working with lunar ritual. I want to learn about more of like the the process, the process of like living in moon time and like living this stuff through your own like sacred spaces and sacred rituals and um, caretaking yourself with this language in a way that's not specific to a sign. That's more of like uh, an all the time thing. So I created moon to moon and I'm working on volume two now. So it'll be another series. Um, to help people learn how to uh, be in relationship with the moon, whether it's working with the real moon in the sky or considering the symbolic moon, like in astrology, thinking about inner child healing, thinking about growing intuition and magic, um, the moon through the tarot. And then I offer lunar rituals where I actually do also waxing, waning, and dark moon rituals in addition to new and full for um, cycles by element. So if it, you would do the fire new, 
um, cycle when it's a new moon in Aries, Leo, or Sagittarius like that. Um, and that's been um, really fun. And that's a, that's a really popular beloved workbook. Um, Cause right now it just stands on its own. And I named my podcast after it really speaking to the idea of moon to moon, meaning month to month, cycle to cycle, season to season, like ongoing is what it sends to me. Moon to moon just means that we're, we're just always doing it. It's not like a destination. Um, where it's a process and a path. And, um, when I found working with the moon, because I used to, I say in the book, the moon started talking to me, um, one summer, um, as I was going through all this change and, uh, I, I didn't know, I, no one taught me anything about moon working with the moon. I didn't know anything. I was like literally Googling how to work with the moon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Luckily early on, I found the many moons workbooks, you know, I found people who could talk moon to me like Starhawk. you know, like I started just like getting the teachers and then making up started, you know, ideally these teachers, the teachers that I love, encourage you to trust that then now you can go create your own rituals and you can have your own relationship. You don't have to um, presume that only someone can guide you to do that. I think the whole point is learning to trust. You can do it for yourself. So um, Moon to Moon is really just a foundational space for anyone who was like me a few years ago who wants a place to get started and um, so I think of the two series together as like living the signs moon to moon, mm-hmm. like um, moon to moon, you're working with each sign. You don't have to see it that way, though, because I don't think people need any astrology for lunar um, connection. Mm-hmm. Right. But I, as an astrologer, find a lot of joy in connecting to the sign of the new moon and living that for a whole four weeks. Um, that's how I like to work with moon. could you talk about that a little bit more so like for example we're gonna have a new moon in Taurus and so you would work then with I would um so I would set intention create a spread create ritual around Taurus themes but I also be thinking about the second house because that's where I have Taurus Mm -hmm. and um really grounding into present time, like trying not to bring past um, self-perceptions to a really tender space in my chart (laughs) Uh, to like what I can or can't be. Um, All possibilities exist at the new moon for what I'm calling in at the new moon in Taurus. And then, um, and I, at this point, can't presume what that exactly will look like because it's just going to unfold <laughs> with what I hear. Uh, and um, and then I will be in deep reverence and devotion to what um, comes through for me at the new moon for four weeks and like try to live it um, at a 360 degree way, which is, I feel like something I probably learned from Sarah Godestiner, just this idea of like, not just applying action to the intention, but also self-care around it, repair work around it, meeting my resistances and blocks around it. And um, like basically totally loving myself there as well as like loving any sentient beings that are part of the process of that work 
for that particular cycle. Mm-hmm. And so even as the sun will move into Gemini and there'll be all this Gemini stuff happening, I like to trust in the idea that the new moon astrology kind of sets a, sets a lens through that covers the four weeks um, mm-hmm. so that Taurus will be informing me even as I'm in Gemini. Does that make sense? Yeah, that totally makes sense. I think that's a beautiful way to work with it. For me, I don't really work with the astrology of the moon so much. Like I just kind of like I know them and I'll like let them move through me and see what's there. But I'm not necessarily like setting an intention that feels like Taurus for the Taurus new moon. You know, it's just like whatever's arising, maybe it's Taurus, maybe it's not. So I think that's really cool and interesting to hear about your process. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Thank you. And you never know, like if certain cards come up that feel really different than what you might think of as Taurus, like, well, then that's here too. You know, like um, I'm definitely open for always looking for synergy between what I presume a sign energy is and then what the cards say is also present. And I find that that can be really exciting learning is to see like how might Taurus have to do with like two of wands or whatever could come forward. You know what I mean? And like energies that maybe feel different. Mm -hmm. Um, How is, how can they talk to each other? And then that becomes then part of my listening for the cycle is to Mm -hmm. listen to how they're in conversation and how maybe the Taurus part of me um, could be really supported by two of wands say. Um, Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. I think, I'm so much in a phase right now of not really intentionally, I've gone through phases in my life of really intentionally working with like every single lunar cycle. And I think I got to a place for me where I was like, oh, I'm kind of looking at myself as like a project to be fixed. And I'm like, what are we fixing this month? Like check, check, check. And so since then, I feel like I've just been so much more fluid with it. And from Mm -hmm. just like this year and things that have been happening for me personally, I feel like I'm just like bursting into this rebirth. And so for me, it's actually felt really healing to just more so let the energy move through me and not like set any specific intentions or work with anything other than just a desire to experience aliveness. And however that, you know, it moves through you differently through different cycles. Um, And so that's felt really interesting too, to sort of float with, (laughs) float with the moon cycle um, and float through the phases than to intentionally work with them these past, I don't know, this past year, probably. Um, You think that was some hierophant lessons for you from last year? For sure. It has been. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Definitely. I think, yeah, it's like going through phases for me of like some phases are really deeply around healing and like in a more intentional way. And some of them, the healing is just living and experiencing that. And I'm always connecting with the moon, but it looks so differently throughout time, which I think is cool and is very lunar because it's cyclical. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And you 
like there are so many ways we still have yet to discover how to work with the moon because mm-hmm. it's always changing. So um, like call me in six months and I'll have a whole <laughs> to say (laughs) me too I'm sure call me in six months call me in like two months it'll probably be totally different (laughs) yeah (laughs) um well thank you so much for everything that you shared I want to ask you the last question that I always ask on this show which is what does living open mean to you oh I love your love the name of your podcast and I love listening to people ask this question and um it's funny this morning I um I was like you're gonna be asked that and I started to panic (laughs) 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 and so I decided you're just gonna sit back when you're asked and just say whatever comes forward um so I feel like what I'm feeling is that for me, living open is like opening myself to allow whatever is like calling me forth and whatever I'm going to be drawn to, to like create the space for that approach to happen. Um, and so what is that? What can that mean? Like, um, that can mean not defending myself from something that maybe wants to come hang out with me. Mm-hmm. Um, that can mean um, having more patience about something that might want to come in, but I'm hustling or I'm moving too urgently through the world to let it get close. Um, I think living open can mean having the curiosity to, to wonder, um, and to, what what really feels strong for me right now as I'm talking is heart. Like Mm. it's all about heart and opening my heart to listen, to hear, and to not reject or close myself off from some kind of magic or some kind of learning experience that wants to come my way. Mm-hmm. And so um, that, you know, th- there's a lot behind that, right? Like keeping, keeping oneself in a, that space of um, openness um, can require a lot of tending. And I think that that's worth it. It's worth doing that. Because when I do live open and heart-based, uh, I feel more free. Mm. So that's so beautiful that you came to that name. Oh, thank you. I mean, what you shared is so beautiful. And it's always so lovely to me to hear everyone's different thoughts and perspectives. And it's really lovely for me to think about, too, how the name is almost five years old at this point but it still fits you know (laughs) like I still feel really connected to it and how the podcast has changed since then it still feels really true and really right so yeah yes I think about um because you you have Libra right is it Libra sun Mm -hmm. yes and Mercury too (laughs) yes Mm -hmm. I think about with Libra 
and Venus, this idea of like laying down our arms, laying down our defenses to listen and communicate from a heart space mm. because when when we're closed at the heart we can't really hear somebody else um and we can't tolerate it like we can't we can't deal with um difference or discomfort or conflict when our heart is closed and so I feel like with the heart open, which is so to me very Libran, um, we can like lower our defenses enough to have a human connection, um, even even when we might not understand somebody. So uh, it's so important, I think, right now in the world that we're living in, when we can feel so polarized to. Um, meet people at their humanity through heart-led communication. And I think that part of living open for me has to do with that, um, I don't know, self-responsibility I feel for me um, because it's my tendency to want to like shut people away um, and not see their full humanity because I like can't deal with something that I feel like they believe or that they subscribe to. And I don't know how things will get better as long as I'm doing that. So yeah. that's where really open can even be. It's really like a practice, I guess, you know? Mm. Oh, I love that idea of living open as a practice. Yeah, <laughs> it's definitely a verb. <laughs> yeah, feels very Knight of Cupsy, actually, as he yeah. said. <laughs> love that connection. <laughs> <laughs> Will you tell everyone where they can find you online, how they can get your workbooks or anything else that you have going on? Yes. So my workbooks um, and everything that I do, readings, um, connecting to my Patreon community is all at BrittenLaRue.com, B-R-I-T-T-E-N-L-A-R-U-E. And then my IG is the same, at BrittenLaRue. And then Moon to Moon is available on Spotify and, and Apple. And um, those are all the, the main ways that I work in the world. I mean, I, I'm always teaching. Like, I usually just have a little window between a new class. So where I teach uh, living the archetypes, um, emerging with the archetypes, um, inner child healing with the moon is one I do in the summer so um, all of that can be found through my website and just subscribing so you know when those things are happening beautiful thank you so much for being here and for sharing thank you for that. having me it's great to talk to you I've admired you so long thank you for all you <laughs> oh thank you that's so sweet Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.